0: Welcome to Life Meet. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is our education and events coordinator, Emily Kroll. Emily, welcome.
1: Happy sunny Friday.
0: Another week in the books, a lot going on, a lot going on in the last few days. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, Planned Parenthood's latest report and their latest effort to get more money from you through pandemic relief. We're going to talk about uh, coronavirus vaccines and legislation that's passed through the Michigan legislature. Uh, first, let's talk about the Equality Act, Emily. Well so the equality act is ostensibly about issues that are uh, outside of our realm um and it is not totally in that realm because emily the equality act defines sex in such a broad way that it includes uh anything And that, as we pro-lifers should be very well aware with, uh, Doe versus Bolton defining health to include anything. When you define sex related to anything that involves uh, differences between men and women, that necessarily involves pregnancy, childbirth, and other related medical procedures, which is the Bill's euphemism basically for saying abortion. Uh, So we've been telling people to contact their legislators uh, in Congress. Uh, It's already passed the U.S. House. Now it's in the U.S. Senate, where hopefully it will be filibustered. Um, I don't see why it wouldn't be, because it's bad in so many ways. Um, And so contact your U.S. Senators, by all means, Debbie Stabenow and Gary Peters, who were probably yes votes, but let them know you don't support it. But uh, Emily... If you define abortion as uh, in terms of sex discrimination, then what does that leave for pro-lifers?
1: The potential to be fined in extreme cases jailed for sex discrimination. So um again, we're we're at the topic that's really kind of the pinnacle of the fright the pro-life fight um, with this administration is conscience rights. What? can I do with my own moral or religious convictions Um, the conscience rights we've talked multiple times in the past about the Little Sisters of the Poor and and their Supreme Court cases and this is just another example of where pro-life people who have firm moral convictions against abortion um, they are being discriminated against and saying that you cannot have those beliefs. Um, Now they're they're not just saying we're going to ignore your beliefs, they're saying um, we're going to classify your beliefs as discrimination and because of that it would essentially make it illegal um, for any doctor or nurse or other medical professional to deny giving an abortion to someone because it would be classified as sexual discrimination, which is terrifying
0: despite actual laws that say that doctors and nurses can't be forced to do that. You think about all the other conscience amendments, the Weldon amendments, the the church amendments, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And it doesn't just apply to individuals, it would apply to states. The Equality Act is written in such a way that states are health care providers because obviously states run Medicaid programs, all 50 states. It's a federal slash state program. And the way they define that, uh, a state deciding that we're going to pay for, uh, you know, pregnancy as a medical treatment insurance, but we're not going to just pay for your abortion for free, um, that becomes sex discrimination on the state level. And so uh, in Michigan, for example, we have a state law saying our Medicaid dollars can't be used for abortion. Um, You know, how's that going to play in the courts? And that's really an important thing, too, is it's not just statutorily what it's going to do, but if we ever have a Supreme Court that swings back into Ruth Bader Ginsburg's mold of thinking, Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't like Roe versus Wade because it created this right to an abortion as a subset of the right to privacy. But in Ginsburg's mind, it was always sex discrimination, the 14th Amendment, and equal protection of the law, which is where abortion magically becomes legal, or in this case, uh, you know, forced on all 50 states. If, if we have an actual right in law that defines being pro-life at any level in any way as uh, sex discrimination, you know, if you get a court full of Ruth Bader Ginsburgs, that's carte blanche to do whatever they want, you know. Even, for example, um, let's think of an issue like uh, um, you know uh, an abortion before uh, eighteen. So obviously statutory rape in certain varies in certain states, but uh, states restrict that legally, but you give these judges, uh, justices an open, an open door like that, they'll even go beyond it and and say, well, states can, you know, ban that, but in terms of abortion, they can't, you know, they can't even have parental consent laws, you know. Uh, In the wrong hands, uh, even in the right hands, it's bad, but in the wrong hands, it's really, really, really bad. Um, And just to close out the discussion on it, I mean, that's all you really need to know is that, uh, you know, it defines being pro-life as sex discrimination and that's bad. But just the whole idea of it is we have this legislation that is supposed to protect human dignity and human rights and, and protect against anti-discrimination and it would become a tool, a, a gigantic tool in the toolbox for those who engage in the most blatant discrimination in America today, the death of almost 900,000 children in the womb. Uh, so it's... You know how Orwellian that anti-discrimination legislation is used to discriminate against pro-life doctors, nurses, states, individuals, and of course the child in the womb itself.
1: Discrimination I, doesn't stop or fix discrimination.
0: Yeah. Age, End of discri- story. age discrimination, I guess. You know, uh, so frustrating. You know, Emily, that people just have this sort of cognitive dissonance, this mental block. Where they think they're always on the side of the little guy against the big bad, you know, meanies with all the power and influence and privilege. And then you flip it on a dime and they turn around and you say, well, what about an unborn child? And they're like, no, it's a fetus. And they do the whole dehumanization thing and they just completely ignore it and change the subject. And just the cognitive dissonance is amazing to me. How, you know, you can go from this person should be able to do whatever they want. And anyone who hinders them in any way is guilty of discrimination, but these people we're just going to kill.
1: It's easy to ignore what you really don't want to believe.
0: And is, is that is that the basis of women's rights? I mean, as we're going to talk about Planned Parenthood, not even using the word women anymore, um, <laughs> in, in more detail. I know we already kind of touched on it in an earlier episode, but... It, is this the basis for women's rights can which would be the theory behind treating abortion as part of sex discrimination is killing a child the only thing that meaningfully gives women's right women rights that separates them from men is that the basis you know is that the sole difference that's almost a almost a subtle acknowledgement you know in history people would say, well, what makes men and women different? And one of them is childbearing fundamentally. And is that what makes women equal is the ability to take the life of their child. So childbearing does make women completely different. And only by denying that part of being a woman is a woman equal to a man. It, you know, it, that's
1: an inter- I've never thought of it that way before, but yeah, that's, that's essentially what they're saying.
0: And, and, you know, the, obviously, you know, the suffra- you know, women's suffrage supporters back when, you know, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, you know, they were not for abortion. They saw it was generally exploitation. Um, could they imagine 70, 80, 100 years later that these people would be coming along and arguing that the only thing that makes women special and deserving of rights is the ability to kill their child? I mean, I don't know.
1: It's, it you is know, Obviously, they
0: wouldn't like it because they've talked about abortion in their writings, but still, man.
1: <laughs> We've gone from women are deserving of rights simply by their innate nature of being human to women are getting their rights because they can kill their children. That's sad.
0: All right. Well, let's stop ranting about that. And let's rant. About, no. Let's move on to uh, vaccines. So... Uh, a big change is the Johnson and Johnson uh, Johnson and Johnson vaccine is uh, out there and ready to go. The key difference between that one and the Moderna and the uh, Pfizer Pfizer. Thank you. Name escaping me there for second vaccines is Modernas and Pfizer's do not include the use of uh, tissue from aborted babies in direct production of the vaccines. They use them in testing the Johnson and Johnson vaccine does use a cell line, uh, the per 6 cell line in producing it. So uh, those cells were taken from the eye, the retina cells of a healthy 18 week child who was aborted because the, the woman didn't want the child. And, um, that's what is being used in the, to produce this vaccine. So, you know, we, we lay out the ethical case on our website of, uh, maybe why should you take the vaccine? Why shouldn't you take the vaccine? You can decide that for yourselves. But the key thing is you have to know that these cell lines exist in order to begin to make your own ethical decision, Emily. And so the Michigan legislature has passed uh, one of a few pandemic uh, supplemental budget bills. That means they're kind of extra extra money And there's a big argument between the governor and the legislature and the parameters of all that. Um, But the one, the big one that passed includes uh, legislation, well it's not, it is legislation, it's budget legislation, but includes language, uh, boilerplate language that would require any of the funding, any of the vaccines that these funds are paying for, uh, which would generally be all the vaccines. Uh, Anyone who's getting these vaccines has to be informed if the vaccines used um, fetal tissue cell lines in production. And so uh, it's it's kind of up open to interpretation if that would also include explaining to people that the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines were tested. But definitely for the Johnson Johnson vaccine, before people go in, they would be informed in some way. I imagine probably on some informed consent, you know, the materials, the forms that you get, uh, that this vaccine indeed was is produced using a cell line taken from an aborted baby. So that's good. It is good. However, we have uh, a governor.
1: <laughs>
0: so we have a governor who obviously won't like that. Um, it passed through the legislature with, uh, with big votes. Not, uh, I would say about 75% of the um, house voted for it. Now, obviously they don't, it's tied in with the money. Is the governor going to veto it? um the governor really can't line item veto the language like she can in a regular budget Um, but she could issue a statement saying this is unenforceable
1: (laughs) i'm rolling my eyes you can't see it i'm rolling my eyes what
0: would the legal what would the legal explanation of that be that the that's unenforceable i mean informed consent is a routine part of every medical uh procedure right Yes. And that's state mandated because the state is the regulator of the healthcare industry Mm
1: -hmm. in a pretty
0: broad way. There's absolutely no legal justification that I can think of that you could come up with to say that this section isn't enforceable. But, um, you know, apparently that's just an I cheat card, you know, governor said, well, I don't have to execute that law because, you know, because...
1: Because I don't want to. Yeah. It? Yeah.
0: That the state would be like, oh, this is unenforceable. How's it unenforceable? Well, it just is.
1: Because I didn't want to. <laughs> That's really what it is. It's just a lot of the time with unenforceability clauses, it just comes down to they don't want to enforce it.
0: Yep. Uh, Governor Snyder did that to us. Uh, won't get to. Won't get into those weeds. But uh, we don't know what the governor's going to do. Um, this specific bill is tied to a couple other bills the legislature hasn't passed yet um that limit governor whitmer's authority in other ways related to the pandemic which is a bit outside of our issues um so we don't know how this is all going to work out but i think it's interesting to talk you know um as this has worked its way through it hasn't gotten a ton of media attention almost like they don't want to talk about it because really all we want all we all we want is people from being informed mm-hmm. and so if the media talks about it a lot then people are informed and we've achieved our objective without even having to require specific informed consent so i think kind of on one hand some media outlets probably don't want to cover it um there has been one media outlet who is not um who the owner of which is extremely not favorable to us that's been covering this consistently and explaining that you know we support this specific uh provision and the criticism that we always get is, um, and this is kind of interesting, I think, is that, oh, well, people are going to be confused. So, I mean, really, I think that's just their shorthand way of saying that we know that if people knew about this connection, some people would not get the vaccine because they may have an ethical objection and we don't want them to know. However, we can't say that. That's the whole concept, Emily, of the noble lie that we've seen in the pandemic. You know, um, Dr. Fauci has made use of the noble lie at the beginning. We won't get into the mask debate because it's not really our issue. But he told people, um, don't wear masks. They don't really work because the policy goal was saving masks for um, Medical medical professionals who need them. So he lied to people about his later position in order to achieve a policy goal. Uh, Lying to people about vaccines in order to achieve a policy goal of more people getting it, I would say, is wrong on its face. I think the noble lie is... A myth? Is a myth. And and it, it only hurts in the end because eventually people... Find these things out, and it's it's a situation of the boy who cried wolf. Um, You can't keep lying to people and expect them to then build long term trust in public health system, and that's what we're always asking people to do, especially in this case with a vaccine that is not has not really technically been FDA approved. It's not gone through that profit uh, process. It's been approved for emergency use. By necessity, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and by the time it actually got through the approval process, it might be pointless um, if we're that lucky and the coronavirus goes away. So it's by necessity, given emergency use, we're all kind of guinea pigs. um, And you want people to trust that they've done the best that they could, that this new mrna uh, type of vaccine which has never been used in humans before it's been used in animals uh, theoretically safer you you want people to have that trust level but you keep withholding information from them you keep misleading them you know you can say well we don't want to confuse people but
1: a lie is a lie
0: and people get confused when they find this out on their own and then they ask themselves why wasn't i told this and then when you come later on down the road Try to tell them a fact. Ask them to believe this fact. Believe you on complete face value and trust. What incentive do they have to believe you because you've lied to them or you've withheld information? You know? It's like these. It's like they're digging themselves a deeper hole and this legislation is basically us going down into the ditch saying, hey, this is a nice ditch here. Why don't you give us the shovel? Why don't you stop? Um...
1: <laughs> just stop digging stop digging a hole Jeez.
0: stop breaking the law no, I mean it's not really breaking the law but you know if that old that good old quote from the movie liar liar stop breaking the law um
1: it <laughs> I've never seen that movie so oh
0: well that's uh, I'm not saying <laughs> all get of the that reference. quote okay. uh, I'm not saying all that quote I'm leaving out a choice word um okay but people you know vaccines it should surprise no one that people don't have trust in the system there's the whole um they, they're called anti-vaxxers or vaccine choice or however you want to title yourself or title those other people um people don't have trust in the vaccine and the public health system and i i can't say for for bad reason because there's we have plenty of examples uh, especially a few decades ago of just blatant violations of informed consent and humane treatment of patients, and it's so important to reestablish that trust that you just level with people, because uh, they're going to find out anyway. You know, would you rather, you know, public health authority? Uh, okay, let's concede that a few people might object and not get the vaccine who otherwise wouldn't. Okay, that's reasonable because if you tell them, that's the reason they're not telling them is because they know they'd have an ethical objection. So there's going to be some people who probably wouldn't take the, the vaccine who might otherwise would. Okay, but what about the next vaccine? You know, what about the next SARS or MERS? Uh, now you're going to ask them to take an mRNA vaccine for other things like uh, polio. Uh, and you're, you keep asking people to trust you, but you keep... Withholding information they're going to find out and who do you want them to find out from do you want to find That information out from you from their own nurses and doctors who'd explain to them that yes There was a cell line there was an abortion in 1985 uh, The retina cells from this child were cultured into a cell line the cell line grows indefinitely the cell line is used to grow the virus uh, Which we use in this vaccine and um, there's the facts. You can make your own ethical decision. Would you rather have people find that out from their own doctors and nurses, or would you rather have them go online, uh, find out from us? Cause we're going to tell them, we're going to be honest, uh, find out from other people, maybe who have another view on the topic of vaccines, or maybe are completely out in left field, uh, that you can go all over on this issue. Who do you want them to find that out from? You know, it's this whole idea of the short term the short term game of hoodwinking some people and then taking the vaccine who otherwise wouldn't, but in the long term, you're just decreasing public trust. and I think people should who think about public trust within this pandemic can really see how a lot of people don't have trust. I mean, I don't when it comes to statistics, Andrew Cuomo, for example, uh you know. People violate trust. They don't automatically get to have your trust move, and that's what they're asking for. So, <sighs> I could rant. I could rant you for could. another hour you about could. the stup- the stupidity and its stupidity of not of withholding information for people and hoping they don't figure it out, and then asking them to trust you the next time because you're ah oh, this time I'm being honest. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that. So let's move on to uh, a whole other frame of dishonesty, uh, Planned Parenthood's annual report. So Emily, you wrote an article on our, on our website detailing a couple important things in the annual report.
1: Yes, it was fascinating, um, and I will say it's probably one of my least favorite parts. Of what I do here is just digging through abortion information and looking at the the evidence the numerical evidence of what what goes on in our nation so we mentioned briefly a couple of weeks ago about the interesting disappearance of the word woman from the Planned Parenthood annual report Uh, it it is an important thing of note because um, we pro life people have always known that the abortion industry, abortion in itself, was never about women. It was never about women's rights. It was about eugenics. It was about society engineering, and ultimately, it was about profit. So, by the subtle, the subtle change in language and omission of language, um, we're starting to see a, a more accurate representation of what Planned Parenthood is. Um, they they like to say care, no matter what. that is their their motto, their slogan. Um, I like to change that and say profit no matter what. and even if that means completely erasing women uh, from the from the goals and the purpose of their organization. So there's just that interesting bit about the lack of the word woman in the report. It was said three times, but it was from quotations from people, not a part of Planned Parenthood., uh, so the the interesting thing that we we see with this Planned Parenthood report is just the continuation of the trend where they are reducing the number of services that they give um, and increasing the number of abortions they provide. So um, little little things where um, their overall total of services between. 2010 and 2020 which was the most recent report dropped by over half a million so they're giving less breast exams, less pap tests, less cervical treatments, less prenatal services and some of these decreases have been I believe it was 68 percent less breast exams Um, and so again it fits with the theme of we're not talking about women they're also not providing the essential care to women um, breast exams are a pretty big ideal for women's health. Um, we want to know if we, if a woman has cancer. We want to find it early and we want to be able to treat it. And so Planned Parenthood removing those um, is kind of a big indication that they're not really there for the long-term benefit of women. So their abortion totals. Um, Again, they went up in the 2019-2020 year. They provided 354,871 abortions. Uh, that, That totals about one abortion every 89 seconds. So if you just take a breath and pause, look at your watch, and you just think, okay, one. another one and it's it's really heartbreaking to think it, that consistency that repetition of another life has been taken another life has been taken and um, and so that we expected the number of abortions to go up but it's always it's very sad to see um, that they they are increasing so rapidly um, what's another interesting thing oh yes a ab- Abortion and adoption. So Planned Parenthood likes to say that they offer adoption referrals. We're giving options for pregnancies. (laughs) Well, um, again, this is a lie. So in 2019, 2020, they did 2,667 adoption referrals. So, um, like, yay, they referred just over 2,500 women for adoption.
0: Well... I wonder what their definition uh, of a it, referral could is, defin- yeah, it could be. What their definition it could be
1: like? Oh yeah, adoption is an option. There's a brochure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be it. But uh, giving them a brochure is still more than nothing. That's true. But when you compare that to the number of abortions, you're looking at 133 abortions for every one adoption referral. Um, and. Those women
0: going into the counseling that Uh totally no no minds made up and totally open counseling, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, And so Planned Parenthood says they have prenatal services. Well, okay. There's 41 abortions for every one prenatal service that they offer. Uh, So again, we're seeing they're about abortion. They are an abortion business. It is where they get their money. It is where they get their power from. And it's, It's really disappointing in a lot of ways to see how easily that they have been able to lie and manipulate and erode any bit of trust that women, they should be eroding trust that women have in them, Um, and hopefully we'll start to see that happening. There's really just one more big, big number that I want to highlight from the report, and that is the number of abortions in the last decade so we have now a solid decade 2010 to 2020 the number of abortions has been increasing how many babies were aborted at Planned Parenthood in those 10 years Um, and it the number is three million three hundred twenty five thousand two hundred and fifty nine which when you compare it to the grand total of abortions um, since Roe v. Wade, it seems kind of small when you compare it to 60 million, but we have to remember that there are 21 states that have populations less than the number of abortions Planned Parenthood has provided in the last 10 years. Um, so picture it in your mind, the state of Utah, gone. Arkansas, gone. Alaska, Vermont Wyoming Delaware Hawaii Mississippi New Hampshire Maine South Dakota we can just take those populations and erase them essentially with the number of lives that have been taken just at Planned Parenthood facilities in the last 10 years and um, it's it's easy to look at these these large numbers and think oh that's terrible but when we put it in this uh, into perspective of let's just W- wipe the population of that state out. Let's just turn. Let's just turn Nebraska into nothing but one continuous cornfield, which might be slightly accurate, but no people. That is essentially what we have done at one abortion business in the last ten years. it's just three percent? Oh, it's just three <laughs> percent of their services. Oh, jeez. Uh,
0: all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again next week. Have a wonderful weekend.